0: express employment professionals makes it easy forget about posting jobs sifting through resumes being ghosted and interviewing unqualified applicants visit expresspros.com to let the pros help you express employment professionals is your full service workforce solution connecting you with top talent fast with more than 40 years in the staffing business express helps thousands of companies Find great team players each year, and they can help you too. Go to expresspros.com to find the location near you. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today, we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows that we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be the chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed, that's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions that help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford a mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. I've been telling you about Tacova's boots for a very long time. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Takova's. But now they also have a gift for my listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at Tacovas.com. Just use code BONES at checkout. That's B-O-N-E-S at Tacovas.com, And that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Come and point your toes west. Uh.
1: Be kind to joy. Level Pass up, roll things Little food for your soul Life ain't always pretty, but hey It's pretty beautiful, things Laugh a little more, things Tighten up your core, things Said EK, you're kicking. With, four with Amy Brown.
0: Happy Thursday, everybody. I have got to tell you, I am super excited for y'all to hear this chat that I have today with Stephen Young. He's the founder of Home Street Home, which is an organization in Nashville that serves the homeless. And what is special about Stephen is he was homeless himself. For five years. And he does all four things with me. He came over to my house the day after Thanksgiving and we talked and this is a long one, but I encourage you to listen to all four things, even if you have to break it up or, you know, listen to it on the faster speed so that you can get through it if you don't have the time, or maybe take a couple of days to listen to it. I mean, it's not like super long. I mean, Mary and I did a gift guide that was about this long, which by the way, that gift guide is still up. If y'all have not listened to it, that was last Thursday's episode. And you can go to radioamy.com to access links to any and everything we talked about whether it was a gift that gives back or just a bunch of our favorite products, which a lot of them can be found on Amazon. And we provided you all those links. So anyway, back to this episode. It's long, but we talk uh, his life before He became homeless, what it was like living on the streets for five years, how he overcame it, how he is now a new husband, got married last year, has a roof over his head, is running this great organization, serving others. And then we also get into the top five reasons that people are homeless. I think a lot of times we have a stereotype of, well, this is probably why that person is homeless, and we just roll with that, when really, it's just not the case. And I got to tell you, uh, sitting down with him, I just, again, was reminded how blessed I am to have the parents that I had growing up, even the current support group that I have in my life and family, because a lot of times it boils down to that. When we hit hard times or we hit lows, if we have a support group to fall on, then you know, we're not as affected, even though it, it can be an, a, a big low. But some people have nobody to turn to. A lot of times they end up on the streets. So I found it to be interesting um, when he went over the five reasons why people are homeless, then also how we can be responding to people on the streets. Because I kind of confess to how I handle it sometimes, and he just shares Little things that mean the world to people that are standing on the corner when you're driving by. So it's a really inspiring lesson. I hope you are encouraged by it and that maybe you'll think about how you can serve others in your community year round, not just this time of year, the season of serving and giving, um, but year round. So hope you enjoy it. And before we get into our little chat, I guess I'll just go ahead and say, since it's such a long interview, I'm not gonna do a little shout out at the end. Normally I do an email shout out, but I'm just gonna let this interview roll and we'll pick up with the email shout outs next week. But um just know, I guess today's Thursday, so that cutoff for our four things customized totes, four things totes that are customizable. If you wanna get one specifically for like a girl in your life, your sister, your mom, your best friend, and you're still trying to figure out her favorite four things, we made these little little cheat sheets. You know, they give you examples of things that may even trigger. You see hot yoga written on the cheat sheet that we made be like, oh, well, my mom doesn't love hot yoga, but she loves kickboxing. So you might put that on there or something cute, or she loves taking long walks. If you see a margarita on there, you might be like, oh, she doesn't like margarita, but she loves red wine. So you put or sangria or something like that. Does that make sense? So these are little cheat sheets we made to help you come up with the four things because we get it. It can be really hard. But anyway, long story short, the cutoff is basically now and we don't want to throw and we're, there's zero pressure to order. I, we just feel like it's also our duty to remind those of you that might want it that the cutoff is happening, and you will miss the Christmas deadline, and you will not get it in time, and that's just going to be a real bummer. We hate that for people because we get the emails and the messages, and their people are bummed, and we just don't want anybody to be bummed. So go to my Instagram, Radio Amy. Look for the picture of me in a pink sweatshirt and my new tote, which says Texas Dry Shampoo, Matcha Lattes, and Pimp and Joy. Then. Swipe. When you swipe that, you'll see the cheat sheets that we made where we also have action cheat sheets for an action tote. Like if you want one that says like, be bold, be kind, choose joy, give back, go running, have fun, sip the wine, seek adventure. Action totes are really, really cute. Instead of just putting like favorite four things like favorite movie, favorite holiday, favorite mantra, pet's name. Stuff like that. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Enough of that. Just wanted to do my little PSA there on how Four Things Totes, you better order them like right now. RadioMU.com if you want to link to Shop Espoir or FourThings.com, ShopEspoir.com, however you want to get there. Just get it ordered if you wanted to. All right. Here is Stephen Young. I hope you all enjoy the interview. He is awesome. And tell your friends about this episode too, because I think it's a good one.
1: First thing. Okay, so
0: here with Steven, and gosh, I don't I don't really know for sure, for sure where to start with you because I feel like there's so much and there's a lot that, that we could take away from a talk with you, um, but first, before we get into this time of year, I mean, people are listening to this. I mean, podcasts are weird because people can listen to it. They might be listening to it six months from now, but a lot of people, if they're consuming it right away, it's for. Us, it's like November, December. You're at my house the day after Thanksgiving. Right. So, uh, you know, it's that time of year where people start to reflect on what they're thankful for and they have a heart of gratitude. And then they start to realize that some people don't have that. And then we're Christmas is right around the corner. So it's, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season and it's a season of giving and like, right. oh, shoot, I better figure out a way to serve others. Right. Mm-hmm. And so before we started recording, Stephen was talking about how his cell phone was blowing up. I mean, this time of year, every year, never fails. Emails, website visits, cell phone calls of people wanting to to serve and serve the homeless. And what what is your response to them? We're gonna start with this little thing, but then we're gonna go back to the beginning of when you, what your life was like before you were homeless and then when you became homeless. But really quickly, because I know a lot of people listening right now are like, oh, I'm so glad I get to listen to this episode. I want to know how I can serve the homeless this holiday season. But what is your response to that?
2: Well, first, let me preface what I'm fixing to say with this. Yes. We appreciate any effort, any time of year.
0: Oh, and I know you do.
2: And I will never try to dissuade someone from loving on our friends. Mm-hmm. However, well,
0: I want you to say this because I'm 100 percent guilty of this, not necessarily in just the homeless capacity. There's a lot of different things. People find ways to serve and give. It's not just the homeless, but something about this time of year sparks it within us. And that's when we act. And right, I'm guilty of it. Right. So I want you to say it because I want to hear it, too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I tell people when they contact me now, um. Uh, We want to do something for the homeless. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the Christmas season. And like I said, I appreciate that. But here's the facts. Number one, a homeless individual over the next six weeks will not be able to use the amount of stuff that they're going to get. They're not going to be able to eat all the food that's going to be put in their hands because it's just overwhelming. People, to use the coin, the old phrase, people are coming literally out of the woodwork this time of year. And that's great. That's awesome. But what happens, and this is what I tell people when they call or they send me an email wanting to help. I tell them, if you really want to help, get back a hold of me in February or March. Because what happens, come January 1st, that flood cuts off immediately. And for the next two to three months especially, they're not seeing anybody. Mm. They're not getting anything extra. It's kind of like the season's over. Everybody goes back to the real world. Yeah. And back to their jobs, back to their routine. And I'm not saying they intentionally forget about our homeless friends, but it's cause and effect, and when they get back into that routine and the holiday spirit kind of starts to dwindle and wane, our friends are kind of off to the side again, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and I experienced that myself when I was homeless, and so yes, Please, if you want to help, help. Contact me. I'll give you all kinds of uh, options. But if you could do us one big favor, and when I say us, I'm talking about myself and our friends on the streets, continue that in January and February and March and April and all through the year. Homelessness is 24-7, 365. Mm -hmm. It never takes a break. There's never a day off. And the need is also 24-7, 365.
0: Okay, so walk us through when you became homeless, a little backstory of what your life was like before, and then what landed you in that position. And then, you know, later we'll get into what it was actually like for you, and then know when you came out on the other side and y'all he's has an amazing story of his I don't know if you're talking about your wife that's now your wife again now there's there's so much to Stephen, and and his heart is really big and I love because you've actually been there and lived it so you really know because I think there's some stuff or sometimes I think as well-intentioned as some people are and as good as what they are at serving and helping others they they maybe haven't lived it and they don't know the exact uh needs and the empathy and the feelings of what i like that you say our friends on the streets are are going through right. um so i feel like you're you're giving us an inside look at that and um so take us back to what why do you have that experience
2: well originally i would say Things just kind of fell apart in my life back when the economy crashed and we went through the recession. My business went south. Uh, I tried to hold on too long before I decided to make other moves, and by the time I decided to make other moves, the snowball had gotten so big that there was just no way to bail myself out. But what I've learned since then is To understand how I truly became homeless, we have to go back to my childhood. Okay. I came from a very abusive home, both of my parents, physically, emotionally. Uh, My one safe place back then was church. My parents were all about the look, what they wanted people to see. So we were in church, and I loved it because that got me out of the hell I was living in at home. Mm even if just for a few hours. So at the age of 12, uh, I gave my life over to Christ. And three months later, I went to my first summer youth camp, church camp. And during that week, I was molested by one of the deacons at church. Mm. And that put me on a path at that point that, as my therapist tells me, was the first step to my becoming homeless because the life I led after that point and I tell people I didn't quit believing in God. I started hating God because for me, that was one of his chosen people at 12 years of age. This was a deacon. And to me, a deacon was someone that was handpicked by God. So this God that I was told was going to love and protect me, it was my opinion that he allowed this to happen. So I hated God, and I did everything in my life from that point on to go against him and and everything that he taught, everything the Bible said. I just went off the rails, and it was a roller coaster. There were times in my life I was extremely successful. There were times in my life I was flat broke because of that roller coaster ride that I was on. I tell people that eventually led me to a point of what I say was a God wink, but in my case was a smack on the head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was trying to get my attention. And uh, I had a pastor friend of mine tell me one time, he said, you're not gonna understand what I'm fixing to tell you, Stephen. He said, but you were called to be homeless. And I looked at him and I said, okay, you're going to have to explain that one. And he said, well, he said, I knew at an early age that I was going to be a pastor. He said, so I went to school. I got my degree. I went through internships. Everything I did was to lead up to being a pastor. He said, this was God's purpose for you in the beginning. He said, he just had to get your attention. And he said, where I went to college to get my education, he said, those almost five years on the streets for you was your training to do what you're doing now. He said, that was your college. And uh, I look at, back at that now, and, and I can see the bigger picture and everything that led up to me ending up being on the streets.
0: Mm. Okay. And then, which I think is a a great perspective where, it, well, Pimp and Joy was a part of Home Street Homes event in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, that the roots of that are from something that uh, just kind of like a spin off of that of like hard times that we go through can be used for good if we allow right. them. Right. So you could have been stuck in that and you know, just dwelled on the fact that, oh, woe is me. I was homeless. Like, what is this my life? But instead, now you're using it for good. And with my mom's cancer battle, it was horrible and not ideal. And, but she, she knew she wanted to choose joy, but she knew that the joy, where the joy was coming from, and right. that was the Lord. Right. And, you know, she would say all the time, the joy, of the Lord is my strength. And, then you know she had a prayer, like Lord use this cancer for good. And you know not everybody. I I hope I would. I don't know because right. I'm not in that situation. But gosh, like to if she were alive today to see how it's been used, and for me and my sister to have that instead of being like oh, you know woe is us our mom died of cancer. Uh, we we get to say thank you Lord for taking her and giving her her life this purpose. Right. Um, and so with you, it's. I'm sure you may have a similar prayer of thank you, Lord, for uh, those five years on the street and giving me this purpose. Oh,
2: every day. I I tell people all the time, I didn't know what joy was. I didn't know what happiness was. I didn't know what contentment was. I didn't know how to love. But more importantly, I didn't know how to be loved because I'd never experienced it before. And it was the time on the streets where I got to witness the worst that humanity has to offer, but I also got to witness the best that humanity has to offer. But it took an event during that period on the streets to get me to that point. And I tell people when they ask me about the homeless condition, and we hear it all the time. Well, they just want to be there. They're just lazy. Or they are just they just want to drink. Or they just want to do drugs. What I found out was, no, that's not the case. It wasn't for me. I'm 63 years of age. I don't drink. Don't do drugs. Never have mm-hmm. in my entire life. But I still ended up on the streets. But what I went through while I was there really started to to tear me down. And that's what people don't understand. I've been off the streets since 2014 now, and my wife will tell you I still have nightmares. Mm-hmm. I still have bouts of depression that go back to that period.
0: Okay, so coming up in the second thing, I want to hear about your life, those five years, and what that was like, and how we can better try to understand the people that we're seeing our friends on the streets right. that we're passing every day, maybe if they're on a corner or some that maybe we don't even know are out there or some that are looking for shelters. Um, cause yeah, I think there is a, some of us are just raised. I, I don't have this outlook, but, but I know some people listening may have the, like you just said, like, well, they should just go get a job and you know, they probably are on drugs. I'm not going to give them money. They're just going to go right. buy alcohol with it. And, you know, April, who is how I was introduced to you, our friend, April, she, I don't know if she got this from you or she just said that it's at one of our meetings for the home street home for the miracle on fourth event. Right. Um, she said something like, I mean, y'all, I, if I was homeless, I would be drinking too. So yeah, if they need a few bucks to go get a drink, I'm going to get them right. a drink. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, when my fid- my kids, my kids first came from Haiti, I I was so stressed out. I think I probably had a drink every night, like right. a glass of wine and I'm like and that is like nothing compared to being on the street. So, I would like for you to give us the inside look of what your time was like and what it's like f- for others so we can really understand. Right. And then um but before we hop into that second thing, um you you know you you mentioned it was a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You feel like it started back when you were 12 and then there was ups and downs, you had success, you had failures. I'm always curious, like, what is that moment? My dad had some health issues about a year and a half ago. And when he was released from the hospital, he just was not right, Mm -hmm. Um, cognitively, uh, medically, just all kinds of things. And he had throat cancer, had a surgery, it went terribly wrong. But, my sister and I were there, and we have a half brother and a half sister, and we were all there, and family and friends right. but i and my friend Mary, and I've talked about this a couple of times, just with people that we know like if 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 they didn't have us, if certain people didn't have their daughters or their kids or their moms or their neighbor or their good like that had the ability to take you in and care for you, I don't know. Like, I think my dad right. could have ended up homeless and not really, and de, sort of a delirious, like, and then he wouldn't have been on the proper meds. And then he would be this person that, yeah, I, I, I've passed people on the street sometime where I've looked at them now and I, I'm like, oh my gosh, that could have been my dad. And they seem totally just not with it and which, which is not their fault. right? And, uh, but sometimes we can just knock that off or just chalk it up to maybe drugs right? And that just was, it may not be the case. And that certainly would not have been if if it wasn't for my dad having a support group. If people don't have a support group, that's what happens. So what, where was your support group and why, I'm not saying not everybody has to have one, but that's what I want to understand is because I come from a family that everybody's there. So then sometimes trying to understand and paint a picture for everybody that not everybody has that.
2: No, and excuse me, you said something very important uh, when you when you say support group. Mm-hmm. Here's a couple of things you you touched on a couple of real good points. Uh, first and foremost, uh, when I give the top five causes of homelessness, people are always shocked to find out that the last in that list of five is drug or alcohol abuse, that only accounts for less than 7% of the homeless causes, uh, homelessness causes, and people seem kind of shocked, and they always come back with, well, but I see so many that are drinking and this, that, and the other, and I go, yes, that is a result of the homelessness.
0: Okay, that's what April was referring to. Not
2: not the cause right, okay. of the homelessness. Uh, but so that's a, a very important point that I try to stress to people. Uh, unless you've lived it, unless you know what it's like being out there, you might not be able to wrap your head around that. But they're trying to kill the pain, they're trying to escape from their reality because their reality is horrible at best so yes there is a lot of drinking not as much drug use as most people think simply because they can't afford it alcohol is a lot cheaper but they're trying to escape from their daily existence and that's what it is and it's an existence it's not living mm-hmm. it's existing your other point about a support group no one can get off the streets by themselves I didn't. I had someone that stepped in and was bound and determined that he was going to help me get my life back. So people think that the homeless condition is a self-induced condition. In other words, you did something Mm -hmm. to end up out on the streets. So you just need to fix that. I was homeless for almost five years. I had a mother and four brothers living right here in Nashville, they couldn't tell you whether I was dead or alive because they didn't care. Mm. Now, part of that was my fault because of the life I led. But they were also embarrassed about where i would ended up. Mm. And my two oldest brothers and my mother passed away while I was on the streets and I was not allowed to attend the funerals. Mm. Uh, Gosh. I tell people all the time when I'm training new volunteers and people who want to get into outreach, uh, stay away from the family question right up front because a lot of times, a lot of times, that's why they are where they are just like in my case, if we look back to the home I was raised in and what I went through, that left scars. Those scars still exist. I'm just now better equipped to handle them than I was. Mm. So I tell people, stay away, because that's usually one of the first two or three questions that people ask. The number one question they always ask is, well, how did you become homeless? Stay away from that question right up front because what you've done is you've just ripped the scab right off the wound and all of that comes flooding back in their minds and they have to relive every step along the way that ended up with them on the streets.
0: Yeah. So, which I want to save a little bit of that conversation to transfer into the next thing. Um, and then also I want you to share in the next thing, the other four reasons people are homeless. Number five being alcohol or drugs, but that's number five. right? So there's four other things. And, you know, I, I have a a guess of what one of the top two are going to be. And, and just from listening to you talk and how, gosh, I'm sitting here just so thankful for the upbringing I had. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect. My parents were divorced. Uh, but they were good parents Mm -hmm. and you know, I I didn't have certain things that you had to go through or that a lot of other people, like you just never, ever know, um, what else, what is going on in somebody's life and what, what led them there. So, um, thank you for sharing us with us a little bit of your story and and what got you, um, to this point. Um, but there was that five year stint that you had on the streets. So in the next thing we'll we'll dive into your life there and your friends and maybe what they're thinking and feeling and why they're there. Right. Too let me tell you about this hundred percent Mongolian cashmere sweater that I got for fifty dollars. I ordered it in navy the crew neck style and it is perfect. I wore it with jeans and heels to work and then later in the day threw on sneakers and it was a simple outfit that got so many compliments and something like this exists thanks to Quince. I already have the ivory color in my cart for my next order, which by the way, I never thought I would own anything cashmere before, but since all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, it's doable now. They also have organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more that you need to check out for yourself. And here's how they do it. They partner directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings on to us. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash amy for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash amy to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash
1: Amy. Hi, we're brought to you today by IKEA. No matter if you live in a three bedroom house or a tiny apartment, we all have mess in one form or another. And it takes over if you let it. Overcoming mess can feel like an impossible task. Who has time and money for that? But the good news is IKEA has easy and affordable solves for any kind of clutter. Got that chair that seems to collect all your clothes? There's a wardrobe organizer for that. Got a monstrous mess under your bed? No problem. That's what under-bed storage is for. How about that one drawer that seems to have everything and nothing in it at the same time? Nothing one of their many versatile drawer organizers can't solve. IKEA makes storage solutions that are within reach. Solutions that work for spaces of every size and shape and for any budget so you can confidently face mess head on and start enjoying every last inch of your home visit ikea to explore more affordable storage today you can't afford mess so ikea makes storage affordable
0: all right look hiring is hard well good news express employment professionals makes hiring easy Forget about posting jobs, sifting through resumes, being ghosted, and interviewing unqualified applicants. Visit expresspros.com to let the pros help you. Express is your full-service workforce solution, connecting you with top talent fast. Every day, Express recruits and screens workers in your area so that when it's time to hire, they have the talent you need ready to work. With more than 40 years in the staffing business, Express helps thousands of companies find great team players each year, and they can help you too. Just go to expresspros.com. Each Express employment professional's location is locally owned and operated, backed by the support and stability of an international headquarters. And with more than 860 franchise locations, there's sure to be an Express office near you. So make hiring easy and go to expresspros.com to find the location near you.
1: Second thing
0: Okay, so um, you mentioned the top five reasons people are homeless. Mm-hmm. So let's go through those. And the other one you mentioned, the fifth one. right? Um, but what are the other four?
2: Number one, overwhelming uh, loss of job. Almost 46% of homelessness is created by loss of job and or a significant reduction in income. And what I mean by that is you have a $75,000 a year job. You lose that job. The only other job you can find at the time is going to pay you $50,000. Well, you still have a $75,000 a year mortgage, a $75,000 a year car payment, a $75,000 a year lifestyle. It doesn't take long at 50000 to not be able to afford the lifestyle you used to have. People lose jobs for a lot of reasons, uh, but let's say I'll give you an actual story, true story. This young man uh, was raised in a family that were roofers. His grandfather started a roofing company. His father continued with that roofing company. He was brought up in that business. That's what he was doing, making real good money until he slipped one day, fell off the roof, broke his back. He can no longer be a roofer. That's all he knew. He didn't have any other trade skills. Mm. He had been born and bred and raised to be a roofer. Financially, He could no longer live the lifestyle he was living, Mm -hmm. which eventually led to a pretty ugly divorce, Uh, then child support that he was having difficulty paying. Uh, He continued to work at whatever he could find. Uh, But he today lives in a tent here in Nashville, works full time. But he can't afford to pay his child support and rent an apartment. Oh, gosh. So he lives in a tent, gets up and goes to work every day so he can pay that child support. There are more stories like that than there are they're just lazy. They just want to drink or they just want to do drugs. Mm -hmm. I had a gentleman that was an attorney. He was in a bad car accident. During his recovery period, he got hooked on pain pills. After the doctor quit prescribing those pain pills, he turned to the streets to get them. He got caught in a drug sting. He ended up getting disbarred and losing his license to practice law. Divorce was not far behind. And he just didn't know what to do because, like our friend the roofer, this is what he'd wanted to do all of his life. That's all the training he had ever had was to be an attorney. And when I first ran into him out on the streets, he was broken in every sense of the word, and he just didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And it just took one simple suggestion And I looked at him and I said, you do not have to have a law license to be a paralegal. you already have the knowledge. Someone will hire you as a researcher, if nothing else, and you can get back in to what you love doing. He had never thought of that because he was so overwhelmed by the tragedy that had become his life that he couldn't see opportunity, even if it was right in front of him. And I go back to a statement I made earlier. Nobody gets off the streets on their own.
0: Right. And you mentioned your, how you got, well, there was one particular person right. that you credit to you finally right. getting off the streets. And um, I think I just decided for the next thing I want you to teach us. And the third thing I want you to teach us what we're supposed to say to people. Because obviously, you know, we learned from you a second ago, we should not say, why are you homeless? Or how did you get here? Or where's your support group? Or what? Like those trigger questions, anything that could be a trigger question. Mm -hmm. Um, So for you, 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 let's share a little bit about the person that came into your life and how, what, they just, he got to know you?
2: Yes. Another thing that, has to happen before you can assist or be an integral part of somebody getting off the streets. You have to build a relationship. Right. You have to build trust,
0: which is what you have done, probably with your roofer friend and right. your lawyer friend. And right. yes, so that you were able to finally, and then you, again, knowing where they've come from, and then you having the wisdom, like you can help them navigate what they couldn't see, which a lot of us get wrapped up in one particular circumstance. And then we can't see the opportunity. We can't see the bigger picture. We can't see outside of what's happening. So you can help them through that.
2: The biggest drawback uh, to being able to do that is most people don't want to invest the time it takes
0: to build
2: that relationship. Mike is a prime example. Mike Dotson, the gentleman that I'm Speaking of that, that is really the reason I'm sitting here today. The first time I met him, I stood on the same corner for five years and he came pulling up one day and it was close to a McDonald's and he came pulling up one day and he said, I don't know if you've eaten breakfast or not, but I bought you a sausage and biscuit. Here you go. I said, thank you very much. And he said, have a great day. And he left. That was it. That was our first encounter. But he kept coming back, and he kept coming back, and he kept coming back. And Mike will tell you, I didn't trust people at that point at all. It took Mike over a year before he ever learned my last name, but he never pushed. He just kept coming back. Sometimes he would just pull up and go, I can't stay, but I was in the area. I've got an appointment down the road. I just wanted to swing by and let you know I was thinking about you. Hope you're having a good day. I'll be back and spend some time with you later.
0: Okay. So how did Mike know that? The, I mean, had, had he, had he worked with uh, homeless before no. he, I mean, he just is a gifted spirit that knew kind of the right, and not that he's the only person out there that does know this, but I feel like, okay, a bunch of us are just kind of like, I've, I would probably be the bonehead that's like so trying to get to know you h- how did you get here right. like why are you homeless mm-hmm. but not well-intentioned right. but obviously not exactly. the right thing and so how do you how did Mike have the wisdom to know that he just needed to slow roll it with you and earn your trust um i mean is it something Mike had done before no, never. no?
2: he had never Gosh. approached a homeless person before that's so crazy uh it was just really according to to the story, he, the way he tells it, it was just God tapping him on the shoulder mm-hmm. and saying, hey, mm-hmm. but, and we're fixing to start a new program coming up uh, not too long from now, and it's going to be called The One. And what Mike had come to realize is I can spread a little me around to a whole lot of people, but if I give all of me to one, I can mm-hmm. make a difference. I mm-hmm. can make a real difference. And so that relationship building that I mentioned earlier, that's what Mike did. And it was as simple as sometimes he would show up with a pizza and he'd get out of his car and we'd sit there on the curb and have lunch together. Mm. Mike.
0: Have you it, heard of the Starfish story? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's, so, that's what it sounds like to me. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Mike is, is a good Christian man, he invited me to church one time, and never brought it back up. Uh, I'd been church hurt in the past, so I wasn't real receptive to that. But the amazing thing is, as he continued to build that relationship, I'm sitting there one Sunday morning, and the next thing I know, I'm on my way to his church. That invitation, that one invitation that he had given me Almost a year had transpired before that Sunday morning when I woke up and decided I was going to go to church because I never forgot two things. I never forgot that he invited me, but more importantly, I never forgot that he didn't push it. He didn't try to ram it down my throat because as a homeless person and no offense to church people, or Christians, I differentiate between the two. They really, really are pushy when it comes to our homeless friends and trying to get them. The first mistake they make is they think they don't have a relationship with God because, you know, they see him drunk or they see him this or they see him that. I tell people, you do not want to get into a Bible war with a homeless person because 95% of them know it backwards and forwards. They Mm. can quote it verbatim. They may get drunk. They may do a lot of things. Everyone I know has a Bible, and every one of them I know reads that Bible almost on a daily basis. Hmm. But Mike never pushed it. And the problem is if you push one of our friends, that distrust they have that has been instilled in them from their experience is going to lock them down and they're going to shut you out. And the harder you push, the less chance you have of getting through to them. You have to let homeless people kind of come to you because you have to let them have time to learn to trust. Mm -hmm. I tell people, you can find out everything you want to know about that person if you don't ask. Because if you ask, they're going to tell you what they think you want to hear. Right. Because that's their experience. If you don't ask and you take that time to build that relationship up like Mike did with me, they will tell you everything.
0: So what? what obviously you started to build this relationship with Mike. What year on the streets was this? Because you were there five years. Do you, like this how long one. did it take? Because he's one of the. He, we'll get into how he helped you mm-hmm. get off the streets and you making that 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 move. Um, but like, for I've, I have so many questions in my head right now. I don't even know where to start, and I know we're. And then I'm like, oh gosh, I wish this podcast could just uh, go longer. Um, so. Uh, How were other people different? Like, how were you treated? Like you said, you were on the same corner Mm -hmm. uh, every day. And, you know, he was obviously pretty awesome to you. Yes. Uh, How did you feel... Like with other people and not that everybody's going to be awesome to you by any means, but I'm like, you know, when people would drive by, like, how does it feel when people drive by and they just don't even look at you? I mean, sometimes they just assume, okay, they're asking for money. I don't have any money. So I'm just going to keep both my hands on the wheel and look straight ahead and not even acknowledge them because I don't have any money and I don't want this to be awkward. What would, what would make your day better if people, even if they didn't have any money or anything to give or whatever you're asking for, whatever there's a smile and a wave, like how, cause obviously not everybody's going to be right. like he was to right. you, um, that one mm-hmm. or whatever, like you were his one, um, which I'm very curious about this new program too. Yeah. All that's rattling in my head right now, but like what, just so that we know when we're in our cars, cause I'm guilty of that. Right. Totally. Uh, and then I even, I talk crap to myself (laughs) after I do it. I'm like, God, that's just so, that's a human. That's why are you being a weirdo? Like, don't be a weirdo. You would wave and smile to somebody else. Like, why is this awkward? Mm -hmm. So like, what, what kind of interactions did you have? And what would advice be to those of us that are just in our cars driving by that just should, you know, probably be friendly?
2: Well, I'll give you the, the three ways that, Society interacts with homeless people.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, Number one is they're invisible. Mm -hmm. They just don't exist. They drive by. They don't even acknowledge if you wave at them, they're not going to wave back. I think part of that is if they don't see our friends as human beings, then they're okay Mm -hmm. with not doing anything. It's
0: disconnected.
2: Yeah. They're okay with not doing anything. Uh, Then there are those that uh, they actually, I think, sometimes find enjoyment out of belittling Mm. and abusing. Uh, I had a lady pull up one day and she had her two young daughters in the back seat. She rolled the windows down and said it loud enough where I could hear it. And she said, now, if you two don't start getting better grades in school, if you don't start doing what your daddy and I tell you to do, you're going to end up just like that bum right there. Oh, my gosh. And they were both those two little girls. The look in their eyes. If I could have dug a hole and crawled in it, I would have. Mm. Um, And that's unfortunately not a rare occurrence. I had a young man pull up, and this is kind of a good and bad all in one story. I had a young man pull up, and I sold the contributor, so he wrote his window down. Which is the
0: local paper in Nashville. Right. A little local homeless, homeless paper. paper. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, he wrote his window down, and I went over there. He said, I'll take one of those. And I went over there, and as I started to hand him the paper, he had a handful of pennies. And he threw them and hit me oh, right in gosh. the face.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Now, and then he laughed, and he pulled off. Now, I was standing there. <sighs> there were like four cars in behind him. I was standing there, and... I needed those pennies. So I literally, I'm on my hands and knees, and I'm picking the pennies up. And the next thing I hear, I hear a door slam. Car door close. And I hear another car door close. And the two cars that were directly behind him that saw what happened... Those two individuals are now on their hands and knees helping me mm. pick up those pennies. Yeah, and gave me a little more on top of that.
0: Oh, okay, you just restored humanity for me a little for yes. a little bit. I started to think like I had, you know, the two examples in my head. I mm-hmm. had the, you know, the people that are going out and giving one-on-one time with mm-hmm. the homeless community and really nurturing the relationship, getting to know it. And then I had the people, you know, they were just kind of helping every once in a while, maybe here or there. And then maybe sometimes also, you know, putting looking straight ahead, driving past you, just ignoring you mm-hmm. like you don't exist. But I did not, I didn't, I mean, my ignorance, I didn't realize there's people that would just shame you uh, oh. to their kids and and to the rest of the, you know,
2: I've had three, just to others. I've had, I had, uh, Food thrown in my face—that
0: just had, doesn't make sense to me. I've but, had
2: drinks thrown mm. on me. I've had people walk up and say, "You know, I live in this neighborhood. We've got enough garbage in it now. Can you please go find some other corner to stand on?"
0: Oh my gosh!
2: So, gosh, yeah.
0: I just think like they must be—they ha- must have so much hurt somewhere in them, and they're yeah. suffering in some way uh, uh, that they—and they're—they're not. They need healing from that because in grace, and I
2: and I have learned that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, at the time you're probably. Yeah, at the time,
2: at the time, but I look back and and I look at those situations now, and I sit there and go, God, I hope that that encounter helped them. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm.
2: And so, and then the third. Uh is Mike and people like Mike and I had more than one Mike Mike was the one he's the one that gave me the most time and most attention and was the most uh, supportive but I had a couple that he would come through the McDonald's a couple of times a week on his way to work to get a cup of coffee and he stopped one time, and he handed me a $10 bill. And that started that relationship. But it wasn't, wasn't as intensive as Mike, but it was consistent because from that point on, what he and his wife did was whatever holiday was coming up, Labor Day, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Christmas, they would come by, and they would have a card for me. And they would have some money in that card. But it was what they wrote in each one of those cards that meant the most to me. I still have every one of
0: them. Oh, gosh. I know. I keep, like a lot of these situations must have been impactful yes. to you because you remember them. Uh, and you never, I don't know if you said this, but I know this just because of the event and things I've mm-hmm. learned about you from April, too. But you never drank on the streets or no, never did drugs. Never did. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you weren't blacking any of it out. Right. Like some people no, may I... do. And again, me with my wine after my kids came home, I might be one of those people <laughs> that would prefer to black it out, but you, you didn't you, uh, and you remember everything. Um, so, okay. I want to round out, you know, we've done the list. You just gave the mm-hmm. top three kinds of people that there are towards mm-hmm. homeless people. Um, But we started um, with the top five reasons a minute ago why people were homeless. Trust me, story of my life, welcome. (laughs) But luckily I find a way sometimes, hopefully- That was
2: more my fault than yours.
0: No, not at all. But I liked where it was going and it doesn't matter. I just want to make sure we address it because some people might be like, what are the other three reasons? Because the fifth was drugs and alcohol. The first was loss of job. So what's two, three, and four just really quickly. And then in the next thing, I want to expand a little bit on how- Mike helped you get off the streets right. and then um and also to learn a little bit more of what what we're what we can say but I think we'll we'll just organically learn about that through right. Mike cuz we already have like right. he didn't press you with tons of crazy questions right. he was gentle and took time and patient and mm-hmm. just consistent. Right. And um, so what are the other 3 reasons people number, are homeless?
2: Number 2 is a change in family dynamics. Number two and three are like only a percentage or two points off. Uh, and what I mean by a change in family family dynamics: a divorce, death of a spouse or a child, uh, or a grandmother or grandfather, or a parent. Uh, also, abuse. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of homeless people that are on the streets because of abuse they received at home. Uh, there's He's 19 now. When I first started dealing with him, he's 18. He stays by himself in an area of town where you don't find too many homeless people, and he's literally invisible to most people because he chooses to stay that way. It took me six months before I could even get within 25 feet of his camp because he would always run off when I started up. But I finally got him to talk to me. And I had to make a promise that I would not let anybody else know where he was. I wouldn't even let any of my outreach team know. They still to this day don't. I'm the only one that goes out there. But come to find out at seven years of age, his father started selling him to other men Mm. and he has no trust in him whatsoever uh, except for the little that I've built over the almost two years now I've been working with him. And my hope is one day he'll trust me enough that we can take the next step. But that's a process. So family dynamics, huge, huge, huge. But real close to that is a medical or mental health condition uh my roofer friend that i was talking about earlier he's a prime example of a medical situation that has come up
0: it's kind of like they sort of go hand in hand like yep. the medical condition caused the loss of job mm-hmm. but yeah i mean same thing my right. dad too when he was working full-time was 77 but still worked full-time and qu- quite honestly needed to mm-hmm. and uh just because of some, he lived a roller coaster uh, type of career in things, different ventures, like some highs and some lows, never, never low, low, like um, what you had to experience, but, but lows for his life. And so, yeah, the, his medical, that's the first time Mm -hmm. I really started to think like, oh my gosh, if, and I know I said this, I'll say it again, because it's just so real to me and I want people to understand it's so real because they would... Someone like my dad, you would never think he could end up homeless. But I guarantee you if he didn't have, well, our positive family dynamic and support group, um, he would have been, he would have been homeless because of medical, Mm -hmm. which led to loss of job. Mm -hmm. Boom.
2: Yep. And the last one you just brought up is no support anywhere. Uh, And you find that a lot where something has happened. Either they became unemployed or an accident, and they have no family that they can depend on. They really don't have friends that they can depend on. Mm. Uh, Jamie, and you know Jamie.
0: I want uh, to talk about Jamie and the fourth thing. When fourth thing is going right. to be your life now. Yeah. And your wife, which you remarried. <laughs> Teased that a couple of times. But, and then how y'all brought Jamie in, and right. she's now your daughter. Right. But she was homeless uh, and she you have a rule mm-hmm. and it's you never bring them home. Right. Except <laughs> which, for Jamie. And we'll get into which, what which happened I, with Jamie. I, he I broke the rule. Broke the rule. <laughs> Big time. Broke the rule. But um, what were you going to say about her quickly? I just wanted to say, we'll talk getting, about her. So don't go well, too much because no. I'll want you to keep going. Then I'll have right. to be like, wait, we got to right. stop.
2: But getting to know her, uh-huh. uh, I looked into her family. And uh, there was no one there, no one, yeah. no one that she no could one. have turned to. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we'll get into that earlier or er, later. later. And uh, but that's that's it. That rounds it out.
0: Yeah. So it's just a recap um, where it's a huge misconception mm-hmm. where a lot of people would think, well, just go get a job, get off alcohol and drugs, and mm. you'll be fine. And that's probably why they're on the streets. And it's just not. They. No. It's so the top five reasons: loss of job. Um, help me out with number two again. Uh, I don't know the
2: order. Loss of job, family.
0: Family dynamic.
2: Dynamic changing, divorce, death, uh, medical or mental health conditions. uh, Lack lack of of support, support. Drugs and alcohol.
0: Boom. So you have four other really major things that come before drugs and alcohol. I mean, so, and if you know, I would encourage anybody listening to this episode, if you know anybody that has just this distorted opinion uh, of the homeless community, and uh, then maybe have them listen to this so that they can maybe get a different perspective. Because some people too, a lot of times it's not their fault. Right. I mean, but at some point you do have to, once you're old enough, you (laughs) do have to take um, responsibility into your own hands to educate yourself on on what, and then, well, it's up to you where you want to go with it from there. Mm -hmm. But I feel like some people are raised a certain way and, um, similar to gosh, well, how you think of homeless people and then just how you treat people that are different than you. Sometimes if that was your upbringing Mm -hmm. and that's all, you know, that's hard to break, but it's up to you if you want to break it and it can be broken. And then you can, you know,
2: Well, I have You don't have to be stuck. I have to confess, prior to (laughs) myself becoming homeless, Mm -hmm. I had a distorted view of the homeless condition. Uh, I was kind of like, you know, they just want to drink, they just wanted I was I was one of those people. Uh, and that's why having gone through it and learned what I've learned when I got out of it, the the calling was there to to do something, I could not forget what I saw and what I learned, Mm -hmm. not only personally, but what I learned from our other friends on the street. And so when I founded Home Street Home, there were going to be two major things that I was going to try to accomplish. Number one, concerned our friends. Number two, concerned society and educating society about the reality of the homeless condition. Because as a rule, society has no clue to what it's really like.
0: No clue. No clue. Yeah, no clue. So that's why I appreciate you helping us, give us a little bit, even though even listening to this, we still have no clue. <laughs> that's not lost on me. Trust right. me. Uh, so next thing, let's get into Mike. Okay. And and the transition from you Uh, to where you are now. Um, Not fully, because I want to save your wife and Jamie for the (laughs) fourth thing, but uh, we'll talk about Mike next. Okay. Uh, uh, Okay, uh, so third thing, Mike, and you kind of getting... Well, off the streets into where you are now. I say you're kind of off the streets because you really still are out there. (laughs) That's (laughs) your daily. You always will be. So it's a whole, you haven't left that life behind you because that's what you now. And
2: homelessness never leaves anybody. Okay. If you've ever been homeless, I say it all the time. I will always be homeless. It's one of those experiences that you go through that just sticks with you for the rest of your life. Uh, in, in my case, uh, in a positive way, uh, it, it's truly a blessing to be able to wake up every day and do what I do. Um, I get so much joy out of it. Uh, but I know some that have come off the streets and it's really hard for them to move on. They do, but that baggage is still attached to them from the experience they had for however long they were on the streets.
0: Mm -hmm. Some of it could be even labeled like PTSD?
2: It is, and I have have been diagnosed with PTSD due to what I experienced and and how it still affects me. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, I still have the nightmares. I still fight the depression. Uh, But my amazing wife that we'll talk about later, uh, she is really, she's my rock and she's the one that keeps me going through those moments.
0: So she's Uh, the one keeping you going. How did Mike help get you where you are?
2: As I said earlier, he built that relationship. Now it wasn't smooth. uh, And it took an incident that I'm fixing to share with you, for uh, I guess things to really uh, explode between him and I to a point in in a good way, uh, because it opened the floodgates that uh, where I would where I ended up sharing with him everything there was to know about Stephen. Uh, And that incident took place, it was Christmas Eve, 2013. I'd been on the streets for quite a while. And I had made a promise to myself that I was not going to spend another holiday season on the streets because it was just the worst time of year to be homeless. And I had come to the end of my rope, even though I had Mike and I had some other people it still just didn't outweigh the bad. And I was tired of living the way I was living, and I was going to do something about it. And even though I'd never done drugs, I knew a lot of people that had, Mm -hmm. and I knew a lot of people that were. And so I asked a simple question, how many and what kind of pills do I have to buy to end my life Mm. Mm. and i was told (laughs) and i proceeded to start buying them as i could
0: oh my gosh
2: and that christmas eve 2013 i was ready to go uh i went over to the as i tell now when i speak and and Tell my story. I went to the luxurious Hallmark Inn on Trinity Lane, which if anybody ever goes by it, luxury is not one, one of those things that pop out. But I could get a room for $19.95 plus tax, and I'd saved up the money. I had the pills in my pocket, and it was going to be Hotel California. I was going to check in, but I wasn't going to check out. And I tell people, I was at peace. I was that far gone that that seemed the only way out for me. And I couldn't live with the pain anymore. I couldn't live with the treatment. I couldn't live with the the feeling that I was a total failure and it was my fault. The shame and all of that that went with being homeless. So I checked in. I went up. I had written out some letters. I didn't know if the people that I wrote the letters to, I didn't know if they would ever read them. But I thought I needed to do that. Uh, I took a shower. <laughs> I don't know why. Probably because I hadn't had one in a few days. And did some other things. And But I, was, I knew what I was going to do, and I was completely comfortable with it. And I'll never forget, I sat down at the little round table that was in the room. And I just happened to, there was a little... AM FM clock radio on the nightstand next to the bed. It was 9 o'clock Christmas Eve. It's time. Mm -hmm. The next thing I remember is there was a knock on the door. And it kind of startled me. And as I spun to look at the door and start to say, who is it? I caught the clock again in my vision as I was turning, and it was 11 o'clock. Now, this really kind of, what the heck? The pills were still there. The letter's still there. I was still sitting upright in a chair that had no arms. And I'm thinking, where is two hours gone? Well, then there's a knock at the door again. Only this time there's a voice with it. And the voice says, sir, are you checking out or are you staying over? It wasn't 11 o'clock Christmas Eve. It was 11 o'clock Christmas
0: Day. Wow.
2: I didn't know what had just happened. But there was, I was experiencing something that I had never experienced ever in my life. And That was a piece inside of me that let me know that no matter what happened from this point forward, I was gonna be okay. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It was going to be okay. I had never known that from a child on. I tell people when I speak now, I went across the street. I checked. I had just enough money to pay for another night. And I had like $8.32 left. I remember that distinctly, $8.32. So I went to the front desk. I paid for another night. and There's this little Mapco. Wasn't even a full blown Mapco. Just one of those little mini Mapcos across the street. So I went over there. They were open. I spent my $8.32 on Cokes and chips and candy bars. I went back to the hotel room. I turned the TV on. I plopped down in the middle of that bed. It was one of the best Christmases i had ever had in my entire life. Mm. And it's still in the top five. And When Mike found out, getting back to Mike, uh, he said, for the first time he got deep, he said, what led you to this point? Mike became the first person that I ever told about what happened to me when I was 12 years old. My two oldest brothers passed away. I had two brothers left. Nobody knew until I told Mike... But my mother, my father, myself, and the man that did it to me.
0: So you had told your mom and your dad?
2: I had told my mom and my dad. Okay. And my dad looked at me and said, well, what did you do to make him think that's what you wanted? Mm. And my mother looked at me and said, he's a deacon, you're you, I don't believe you, nobody else is going to, we don't need the embarrassment, we do not talk about this ever again. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't from that point until I told Mike. Nobody knew. I carried that with me all of those years. And literally, I knew when I told him and his response, that was the first time I said, I can trust this man. And let me tell you how big that is. That was December of 2013. The first week in March of 2014, with his help, I walked off the streets for good. In October of 2014, I borrowed $600 from Mike to start this ministry, Mm -hmm. and we're going into our sixth year. He never judged he listened he never told me what he thought i should do he always asked what i wanted to do and he never pried he never questioned he waited for me to tell him what he wanted to know and eventually he knew everything there was to know about me all the way back to my childhood without ever having to ask yeah. And that is what it takes. One person being willing to invest in one person completely for however long it takes. That will change a life in such a profound way that you you can't begin to imagine. the the outcome, and I'm living proof.
0: Literally living proof of that. Um, So I feel like that's wisdom for us to know uh, if you want to make an impact on um, someone in the homeless community. uh, But maybe not everybody can invest the one-on-one, right? Right. Um, Or maybe they don't. I mean, Mike... I feel like Mike is exceptional. special. He's, He's exceptional. exceptional, right? He is. And, I, and I'm sure that there's several Mikes in the world for sure mm-hmm. that um, can do that. But some people might be like, "Okay, but gosh, I still, I, I still want to know what what's what I can do or what's the best thing to say." Maybe if you're not trying to go to that level, but who knows? It may evolve into that. And Everybody's can hearts can be ever changing, and some. But if people are trying to do a baby step into that. Um, you know, is it I guess I'm just trying to figure out like how when we are uh, how can you make a difference? Right. When we well first we know that a lot of people right now are wanting to get out and volunteer and help and serve right. um in these November December months, mm-hmm. but I, so a takeaway is do it 12 months out of the year. Find exactly. a way um to gather your family and maybe you don't have to commit to every single month, right. but know if you want if you want your family to be involved in that and you look at your family calendar, you're like, gosh, let's pick April mm-hmm. because we know that's when there's a need and we're gonna right. rally together and that'll be our every April thing. And then spread the word, tell your right. other friends that are wanting to get involved. But like the simple, um, when we drive by and wave or roll our window down, like is food, is is if you don't have money or some people, if they're not willing to give money, but they're willing to like, have snacks in the back of their car. Like we'll keep snacks sometimes in the back and right. then roll it down and like the kids. But I mean, even as that, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they don't want to turn it away, right. but like, that's, is that okay? Like I don't want to be offensive or- No,
2: no, and you won't be, but I'm going to tell you, if you want to make a real impact, mm-hmm. it won't cost you a penny. Okay. I can't tell you how many times we hear, When we're out in the in the streets and i'll see somebody new and uh my other team members they express the same thing to me i hear it over and over again thanks for noticing me Mm.
0: okay so acknowledgement
2: acknowledgement take them from invisibility to relevant Mm -hmm. and it can be done with just a roll down the window and a smile, and a good morning, and how are you doing? You don't have to hand them anything. Now it's good if you do,
0: right? But okay. it's
2: not—it's not a requirement.
0: Okay. I kind of wanted to just make sure we threw something out there right. for everybody, and that is something everybody can do. And then you can go next level—you can do the snacks, or you can do like your couple friends that would give you bring you coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go One full of, blown mic on somebody. Right?
2: <laughs> One of the one of my top 10 experiences Mm
0: -hmm. in a
2: positive way. I was standing on my corner one day and this old beat up pickup truck comes swinging into the parking lot. And I mean, he's almost on two wheels and I do what I always did. I waved. The guy driving the pickup truck slams on the brakes. And I mean, this is a pretty rough looking character. I mean, very rough looking. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, because he's making a U-turn. And I'm thinking, I hope I didn't offend him. I hope he didn't think I was doing anything but just waving. This man comes screaming up, slams on his brakes, the tires screech. He rolls his window down, and I'm prepared to be blasted. And this man that looks like, I mean, as rough looking as you can look. And he looks at me and he says, don't ever quit smiling. Mm. And I said, excuse me, he said, I was having one of my worst mornings ever. And as I started to pull in, you turned, you waved, and you smiled. And I thought to myself instantly, I'm feeling bad about my situation and he's standing there in his smiling and waving, and he said, "Your smile lights up the entire area." He said, "Don't ever stop because trust me, you're making a difference." I had been out on the streets a long time. That was the first time anybody had said I was making a difference. Mm. That that I was a positive, and that. That stuck with me and to this day is is still something that, that I go back to because I still have those moments where I'll look and go, geez, I'm 63, I wasted so many years, and I'll start feeling sorry for myself and a little depressed about all that. But God always sends that one guy back into my, my head. hmm and to to know that if, only, if it only happened one time in those five years that I stood on that corner, I made a difference in somebody's life. And that's huge. That's huge. And just acknowledging that they're standing there. Roll down the window and say, you know what? Every time I drive by and I see you smile and I see you wave, it makes my day you could put a hundred dollar bill in their hand and it not mean as much because to most they are invisible Mm. to most they're, they're a problem.
0: Right. To
2: most they're a, they're a drain on society. They're not a good part of society. So giving them that moment to feel like somebody, like they matter, you have no idea the impact it can have because it may be that one day that was their Christmas Eve 2013 and you kept that from happening. Mm.
0: Yeah. Powerful. And, doesn't cost us a dang thing to do. So thing. glad to have that, that wisdom. Um, okay. Next, let's talk about your wife <laughs> and Jamie, uh, your daughter now. Yes. So, okay. That'll be
1: the next thing. With Amy Brown.
0: <laughs> okay. So at the miracle on fourth event, which I've mentioned a couple of times here, which is how I met Stephen. um, which benefits and supports as a fundraiser for home street home. It's only the second year. And our right. my friend, April, she saw you on the news and she, it was kind of one of those things. She just instantly, her heart, she was like, we have to, we have to help. We have to do something. And, and it's so been she, incredible. She rallied the troops and uh, people have been helping. So the first year I was out of town or something I couldn't attend. Right. And this year I got to go and you had your wife there mm-hmm. and your, uh, Jamie, there, who you're adopting, you and your wife are. And okay, so what's crazy is when you got up on stage, like when I saw Jamie and your wife, I was like, oh, that's his wife and his daughter. Like, huh? Uh-huh. But it's not like, it's not <laughs> this, like, oh, okay, that's been his wife for long. And I was like, oh, I wonder. So were they, did they all live on the streets together? I mean, this is really, I just didn't know uh-huh. the full picture. So, your wife, first of all, you were married to, Way back. Way back. And then you got divorced. Right. And then she came back into your life like what, a year ago?
2: A little over a year ago.
0: Okay. A little so, over So, and that was because of Facebook, which...
2: Well, that's how she found me. Uh, she was 18, I was 22. She was my first, I was her first.
0: This is the way back day, way, way back, back in day. the day.
2: Uh, but like I said, I was not a good person back then. It lasted a year, we got a divorce, it was kind of ugly... I moved on she moved on we hadn't seen her talk to each other in 40 years i didn't even know if she was still alive she didn't know if i was still alive mm-hmm. but a year ago last may on my birthday of all days she was sitting at home and she said i got to thinking about you and i didn't know if you were still alive or what so she started searching and Through a Google search, she found my personal website, my personal blog. Then she found the ministry website then Facebook. So I'm sitting there that evening, and I'm on Facebook thanking people for all the birthday wishes. The messenger window pops up, and it's her after 40 years. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, Fast forward, we started talking. A couple weeks later, we got together for dinner Uh, that July 4th. I proposed again, October the 27th. We got
0: married. and so you just celebrated a year wedding anniversary. We just
2: celebrated our year anniversary. And I tell people the first time I laid eyes on her again, it was like those 40 years just disappeared. We were instantly, and we both knew. And we both knew back then I just wasn't capable. Uh, she was my, my first and my one and only true love. I went through four other marriages that were just train wrecks. Uh, But it's, as I told you earlier, when we were just talking before we even started this, she was the final piece to my puzzle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And I told you then, and I'll say it now, I would go through everything I've been through again to end up where I'm at today. And she's a big, huge part of that.
0: She's, and so when you do meet, connect with her on Facebook and you do meet up and you start dating, and she's like, So, what have you been up to? And then she you, knew. She knew. Okay. So she knew. And then she also, it takes a very special person too, to, do I think, marry someone who has dedicated their life to this ministry?
2: Oh, and she has been 100% behind it. Uh, through my personal blog, and which is, gotcha. is no longer up. So
0: she'd already researched.
2: She had done mm-hmm. the research. She knew what I'd gone through, and mm-hmm. and as she told me, she said, "I wish I'd have known mm-hmm. because this explains a, a
0: lot. lot." I was about you to know. say, "She's probably right. as your wife, right?" And you had never told anybody no. the stuff you had been through. No. So she, I mean, in her mind, especially if she loved you, she probably mm-hmm. would have been like, "Hey, come on, bonehead, I could have helped you." Right. <laughs> Right. But gosh, that just makes me think of a lot of the stuff that people are walking around with that you see go through different things in their life or mm-hmm. maybe why they are the way that they are. And then maybe, yeah, if they just had that trust built with somebody or that right. opportunity to open up and share and get help that it would, it would prevent X, Y, and Z. But in your right. case, we're thankful for X, Y, and Z. Yes, I am. Because it got you here and you're such a blessing to so many people um, including Jamie, who I also learned about at the event. But again, thought, wow, <laughs> that's his daughter of like forever. I wonder when she, you know, when did she come back into his life or right. what did it look like? But she's someone that you met uh, in your ministry. Yes. And uh, again, you have the, I bring nobody home rule. So right. tell that story because you broke that.
2: Yeah. I tell people I had it now. I don't have it anymore. Uh Last July 4th, this past July 4th, we do a big event on July 4th for our friends, and we make it a day-long affair. It lasts about six hours. We'll bring a couple of hundred in. We'll go out and pick them up, and we grill out, and we have music. We just let them enjoy the 4th of July like most of us enjoy the 4th of July, which they don't get an opportunity to, to do that. It wasn't about anything when I started doing it about, except them coming together and just being able to enjoy a holiday. Well, this past 4th of July, we met Jamie. uh, And she was there, and she participated in our talent show that we let them participate in, and they can win cash prizes. And uh, she told a little bit of her story that day. Uh, And it, it was enough to let me know that, There was more there, and I needed to find out. And so two days later, I went to her camp and uh, started talking to her. And uh, the entire time I'm talking to her, God is in my head, and he's saying, if you leave her out here, she will not make it. And the more I found out about her story, the more I talked to her, the more I knew I had to do something and I had to do it right then, but because of certain aspects of her story that she had told me, it wasn't uncommon for us to put somebody up in a hotel and get them off the streets until we could find a more permanent situation, but I just felt uncomfortable doing that with her because I didn't know that she would be safe, and that's all I'll say about that so I called Andy and I said I've got to do something I've got to do it now and she said well go ahead and bring her home I knew that's what you were going to do when you left (laughs) she is my wife knows me better than anybody in the world uh so I looked at Jamie and I said go get your backpack you're going with me and I took her home
0: uh, and how old is she
2: she just turned 34 she just 34. Celebrated.
0: okay she's so I was thinking one of my friends asked me because I didn't know and I was like I don't know probably I was thinking like 20 mm-hmm. she looks so young um and she's just so she didn't really have a childhood so None I guess too in the video that I saw of her she's like in her room and it looks very uh young young yes. but that's and that's that, her. that's, that's special because that's, she never had that. She
2: never had it. We okay. Just, so,
0: wow, she's 34 and now right. she, now she has a mom and a dad. Right. Ah, oh, right. Like I've goosebumps right now because too, I want people to where the video that y'all showed. I put it on my Instagram, mm-hmm. but does that, the video, Jamie's video that you showed at the event live somewhere? Is it? I don't
2: on know our website. I,
0: it's on your website, mm-hmm. ok. I didn't know what I, if I had just posted like a special thing f- of some video no, that someone it's, had taken. It's,
2: it's on the front okay. page of our website. So
0: Jamie's story, I would just encourage y'all to go watch that video because I think um it'll help you have a better understanding of, I mean, hopefully, even just after hearing Stephen talk, you have a better understanding that it always starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as, you know, oh, go get a job. Uh, But Jamie was sold uh, as a baby by her mother.
2: The day her mother walked out of the hospital with
0: her. Yeah, sold it to her grandpa, right? Who
2: was also the mother's drug dealer.
0: Okay. Yeah, crazy. Then he took her, well, paid for her, and then kept her in a basement.
2: till she was 11 years old when she broke a window out and ran away. Right. And from the time she was 11 until the day I met her, she
0: was on the streets. And, and, and she was on the streets because she had, she escaped yes. as a prisoner being held captive by her own grandfather Grandpa. who bought her from her mom so that her mom could, could buy drugs, her. right? So like sit on that for a second the next time you drive by mm-hmm. somebody on the side of the road, homeless.
2: Right. She literally had no choice. Right. Ever in her life. Mm-mm. And even though she is 34, (sighs) we have come to realize that we're dealing with a maturity level that's not even close to that in a lot of ways. In some ways it is because of her experiences. Some parts
0: she had to grow up real fast and other parts. Right.
2: Other parts she never got to experience. So she's getting to experience them for the first time. We just celebrated her birthday. It was the first birthday cake this young lady had ever had in her life. Mm. First birthday party, first birthday present. Christmas, it's like we're dealing with a 12-year-old, you know, because this is all brand new to her. We went Christmas tree shopping the other night, and she's going up and down the aisles at At Home, and she's singing Christmas carols, and she's going, Dad, I love this. I've never gotten to do this. I didn't know all this stuff existed. So it's, it's been a joy for us to, to, to be a part of it. And she's, she's an amazing young lady. Uh, they asked her in an interview yesterday, you know, what's your future hold? And we have told her one thing. She doesn't have to be in a hurry to figure it out. Mm. She was very sick. Jamie's 5'7", and the day I met her, uh, she weighed 98 pounds. Uh, and you could see the scars all over her from the abuse years and years and years. So... Took her to the emergency room. Uh, The doctor came back about 20 minutes later and said, she's not going anywhere. And he says, you might get ready for the long haul. And I said, what are we looking at? He said, could be months. She had pneumonia, double pneumonia. She had MRSA in her lungs. She had an infected heart wall. And she had full-blown AIDS. So we didn't know whether she was going to make it or not. Uh, but we weren't going to desert her. And lo and behold, as only God can do, less than two weeks later, her team of doctors comes walking in the room, and they said, we don't know how you got here, but you're going home. Mm. And she looked dead off at them, and she said, I know how I got here. I said, I am loved by the greatest doctor that there ever was, because Andy, my wife, had the joy and privilege of leading her to Christ there in that hospital bed on the day she looked at her with tears in her eyes and said, I'm scared. And my wife said, why? And she says, I'm afraid of dying. And she said, you're not going to die. Why would you be? She said, well, if I do, I won't go to heaven. And my wife looked at her and said, we can take care of that. And led her to Christ. I'd been out in the hallway returning phone calls, and when I came back in, they're both sitting there in the hospital bed, tears in their eyes, and I'm going, but they had these smiles on their face, and I said, What's going on? And my wife looked at her and said, You want to tell him? And she goes, Dad, I just got saved. Mm-hmm. And later on, I had the joy and privilege of being able to baptize her. Uh, But she's now, her AIDS is non-transmittable and undetectable. She weighs 150 pounds, and she's just an amazing young lady. And to to know where I know she has been, for her to be able to even function in normal society— as well as she has is nothing short of a miracle.
0: Mm. Wow. Well, um, I appreciate you coming on to talk with us and sharing all of these, all the things that we talked about. I feel like um, somebody listening right now, uh, everybody listening can have a takeaway. They can't all be a mic. They can't all be a you. Uh, uh, But, I but feel they like you can gave us something. all make a difference. But we can all make a difference. And yeah, now the starfish story is way. just yeah. in my head of like that one person, the one-on-one, but your one-on-one doesn't have to be a deep dive no. into everything and trying to... But, but but if you feel called to do that, I would encourage you to listen to that. Mm-hmm. If you feel the little whispers, like listen to that. But But if not, the smiling, the waving, the acknowledging... That is, I feel like that's my biggest takeaway. I feel like I learned a lot talking with you, um, but a big, big takeaway is the acknowledgement and how huge and valuable that is to somebody. Yes. Um, because who wants to feel invisible? Right. Um, and, unfortunately- and if there's anybody
2: out there that, that this has maybe awakened something in them, mm-hmm. they can always reach out mm-hmm. through our website. Yep. And I'll be more than happy to talk to them. I'll be more than happy to give them any guidance that they, they may need.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, Home Street Anthony. Home TN for Tennessee, homestreethometn.org. Right. And a lot of you listening don't live in Tennessee, but uh, reach out in your community. Try to figure out different organizations you can partner up with or work with. Because um, there's, there's a Stephen, not exactly Stephen this Stephen, but there's hopefully likely a a Stephen in a community that, um, you know, has the wisdom, um, to lead you in the right direction. If you want to truly serve and serve in in the right way. Um, and there's so many great organizations throughout. Um, and what what would you say quickly before we go now? I just had this one question. Like I've always heard homeless people, uh, like socks Mm -hmm. and eggs. Boiled eggs, hard boiled (laughs) eggs, is that true? It, 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 it.
2: Me personally, I'm not a big hard boiled egg guy, but you know it. They do. Uh, I tell people socks, but I come with a caveat on everything I say, having lived it.
0: Yeah. Okay, and I appreciate that.
2: I would rather you spend three or four dollars on one good pair of socks, preferably wool. Mm-hmm. than to spend $6 on 10-pair. Because what you have to understand is... Those, You're not
0: doing laundry.
2: Those <laughs> Yeah, those 10-pair are not going to last. They might wear them socks every day, 24-7 for months. Mm-hmm. So they have to hold up. Right. And uh, foot problems are huge within the homeless community, obviously. Uh, so a good pair of socks can eliminate a lot of those problems. So invest in one good pair and really change one homeless person versus investing in 10 not so good pair and giving 10 homeless people just a moment. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Thank you for that advice. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, I feel like a lot of times we want to just be like, oh, I'm gonna run to Walmart or Target and buy this big 10 pack and pass them out. Mm-hmm. But the wisdom we just gained right now is go get a, some smart wool, one nice pair, right? Um, or it doesn't even have to be that I'm just throwing out a brand, doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that brand, but a nice wool sock, mm-hmm. one pair, and give it to one person, right? Okay, all right, Stephen. Well, thank you for coming by. Well, thank you and, so much um, for having me. I enjoyed getting to. To know you and more about your story. And um, if others want to know more, again, how they can help, Um, Home Street Home is where you can find Stephen in Nashville. But um, if you don't have on Facebook, oh, Facebook, yeah,
2: follow us on Instagram,
0: Facebook, it's how Stephen and his wife got back together. (laughs) That's it. Social media sometimes can be a real downer, yes, but it also can do really awesome things
1: like that. Cast up, roll things, little food for your soul things. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. tighten up your core things. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown,
0: dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today, we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows that we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be the chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions that help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. I've been telling you about Tacovas boots for a very long time. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style and service are some of the best features of Tacovas. But now they also have a gift for my listeners. Takovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free. With a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code BONES at checkout. That's B O N E S at tacovas.com. And that's dot com. Come and point your toes west. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where. They are, and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com.
1: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love